Hi, uh, I'm Paul Stringfellow and welcome to another edition of Tech Interviews. So on this week's show, we're going to be taking a look at a topic that um, I think is a topic we hear talked about a lot, not something we've particularly uh, delved into on the show before, and that's the idea of business transformation. You know, we talk a lot about technology and technology change and technology evolution, but what does that mean on a wider business perspective? So um, so it's an interesting topic and something that I'm, I'm keen to discuss, but what I definitely needed was somebody who was a, an expert in that field. So uh, I found one of those. Uh, Chris Gehandini. Chris, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you today, Paul? Yeah, real good, Chris. Thank you. And uh, thanks for coming on Tech Interviews. Um, so as, as we always do, before we uh, jump into our topic, why don't you uh, introduce yourself, Chris, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. Sure. Thank you. Um, so I am the president and owner of a company called Turnkey Technologies. We're based here in the middle of the United States in Missouri. So I am a, I'm a technical owner. So computer science, math, uh, grew up in a public accounting firm for nine years. So the story is I married accounting and technology. So fast forward, um, I formed Turnkey 27 years ago, and uh, we are a Microsoft Dynamics partner servicing the United States. And we, we install and implement and license ERP software and CRM software. So it's the best way to describe it. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to describe it. I think everybody knows. Everybody now knows what you do, so uh, so, so which is good. Um, and uh, and actually, Chris, before we delve in, uh, if you want to move to the side a little bit, do you want to show off your uh, your uh, kids' Lego uh, that's, uh, that's <laughs> got, been built? We've got Hogwarts sitting in the background here. <laughs> It's a yeah, well, six thousand piece collection. I had to move from the residence to here so it didn't get destroyed. So, yeah. So we we had a great chat about that. Um, yeah, before we started recording. So, uh, so yeah. If uh, when Chris shares contact details towards the end, um, if you want to ask him about Lego, he's your man. Uh, well, it's more to the point, his kid uh, is, is the man man to go to. So, um, yeah. So, well, well, Chris, let's. Um, yeah, you know, I said in the introduction that we're going to talk about this kind of idea of business transformation. Um, you know, and, and I said it's it's not something I talk about particularly. I, I'm I'm much more kind of data and technology focus so um so for those who are listening to the show who are probably in a similar boat to me do, do you want to set some some boundaries around what we mean when we talk about business transformation what, what does that encompass uh what, what do we mean sure um so typically we think about business transformation or digital transformation there's there's four pillars that you'll see in most of the illustrations you know we want to impact operations we want to innovate transform products we want to change the customer's experience. We want to change the employee's experience and impact them. So there's really four different potential impacts of any type of digital transformation. And uh, as we talk, it's it's not necessarily a big bang. It's uh, it's an incremental process where we have a we have a vision of uh, of a better way, right? And we solicit information and input and try to rationalize and. Uh, you know, even ROI, what's the what's the impact of this change and who's it impacting? Is it a customer, employee, operations? And um, again, once decisions are made, you execute, you, you complete it, and what's next on the list? And so there's a, an iterative process of transforming in any of those different areas. So it's so one thing that you, you talked about there, and, and we did kind of chat about this before we started recording, um, yeah, because I, I suppose my view, uh, and I said to you earlier, well, my view around transformation is it, it is this kind of big bang approach. And you kind of just touched on there in your introduction that actually it can be a lot more iterative than that. You know, so, it's, you know, is this something that when we talk about transformation, you know, because I, I always get the feeling that one of the things that maybe puts people off that first step is they see this as this massive process to go through. So, so, so is it something that you can kind of target? you know, a, a department or you could target an individual almost, it's, you know, can it be that granular? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it could be so simple that, hey, I want my customers to be able to go to a website and place an order with my company. And you may not have a, 
a, a business to business website experience. That's a perfect example where you want to change your customer's experience. And it's pretty narrow, but there's a perfect example. Um, maybe it's, hey, I want my employee to have an app on their phone so they can do their expense report. There's another example of a very low impact, but very specific um, transformation. You're changing an employee's experience, but you're also impacting the back office by creating a more efficient process. So, so that transformation impacts the employee and it impacts operations. So that's another example of just a very narrow one. Um, you mentioned data and analytics, you know, Power BI. Everybody loves Power BI. I'm going to give my vendor a Power BI report that shows him his ship and performance so he can self-improve. There's another example of I'm transforming by extending information in a secure manner out to one of my, my partners so that he sees what he needs to make his job better. And, and again, now he's impacting my operation because I'm getting better delivery schedules. Those are all just diverse examples. So. Yeah, well, well, we'll come back to that because I think something else you've just said in there kind of in the back of my mind, yeah, I think whenever we talk about this kind of innovation and change inside of an organization, whether it's technical, whether it's process driven, I think there's always a piece in there about cultural shift as well. So um, I'll, I'll kind of tee that question up for a little Absolutely. bit later on, but but maybe have a look at that. So, you know, we, we hear this phrase transformation all the time, you know, with business transformation, dig, you, you touched on digital transformation. I think that's a, you know, that's a very popular phrase in, in our industry right now. So, so what's you know, what's your view on what's driving this need to transform? You know, what is it that's driving organizations of, of all kinds of shapes and sizes to, to want to transform and change? What, what are some of the drivers that you're seeing? Part of it, I mean, there's there's different pressures, and I think, on organizations to change. And part of it's um, just technology has fast forwarded where people have different expectations. And if we talk about workers, workers have an expectation. They live in an app world, and they're like, well, why doesn't my company have apps, for example. So even my organization, um, my team is, is innovating and they want to change how customers do support. And they're like, let's build a turnkey app. There it is. There's a perfect example where, and what's driving that? Well, there's pressure internally from the employees having expectations, but moreover, even customers have expectations. It's a digital world. And, and again, mindsets have shifted. So that's part of it. And companies that are flat-footed and they aren't moving, they're becoming less relevant. So um, there's a pressure to stay relevant. And uh, But that's that's a perfect example of what drives it. It could be customer. It could be employee. Um, it could just be an, an operational inefficiency that, hey, we can recapture that revenue. Let's focus on solving that problem. And they're all examples of transforming. So. Yeah, and so, so I mean, one of the things you know, it, it never takes long in this show, of course, to uh, start discussing the impact of COVID. You know, it's 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 no good trying to hide from it. it it's it's impacted many of us, and uh, and and is continuing to do uh, just right now. So, but have you seen a, a change, um, either uh, you know, accelerating transformation demands from companies, or even changing the the, the way they see transformation? You know, are there other organisations you're working with, for example, who maybe had one view of what their their next kind of iteration might look like, and and that's been changed significantly by kind of the last twelve months? What, what's your what's your view? I would agree completely. COVID, COVID has impacted our business where we went from an in-person workforce of 60 people to everybody's remote now. And I think as we feel our customers, they are accelerating their embracing and embarking on these, these upgrades and these investments in their technology because of their workforces. And again, it's, it's a whole new game a year later in terms of how you manage your workforce. You know, Traditional manufacturers, people still show up at the factory, but there's so many other people that are working from anywhere at this point in time. And they're absolutely an acceleration. It started with collaboration platforms, teams, 
and you know, just other ones that are out there where we're using those things just to get together and to communicate. But um, even the business transaction side, people are investing in their companies um, to be ready um, to take advantage of the market. Um, even coming back in full force is an expectation. So, and have you seen? Have you seen the last twelve months? I mean, is it is it complicated what organizations want from transformation? Or you know, as because we talked before, didn't we, about the idea that we can buy, be relatively granular in the way that we look at transformation? Are you seeing? a change in scope and things where, where people are now looking at it and saying, actually, I had this idea of we wanted an expenses, expenses app, but actually the last 12 months has suddenly widened the scope massively. You know, is, is that, is that relatively common as well? It is. It, it, they're, they're more aggressive in terms of looking at the future. And I think, you know, organizationally, people are bullish. I, I don't think that we're, we're as a executive leaders, we're optimistic about what the future holds and even in terms of the workforce. So I think there's a proactive nature to doing that and to, to deploying this technology to be ready for the opportunities showing up as well. So. Yeah, and I think that's a it's a good point. And, you know, you talked about some of the, the transformational drivers earlier on around um you know, whether they could be customer driven or they could be internally driven, you know, is, is that, is that a start to, as, as you look at business transformation, is that a good starting point is to look at these things as opportunities, not as, you know, something where it's, it's very heavy on your shoulders and there's a big sigh that comes before it going, everybody, you know, the, the board keeps saying we need to transform. So, oh, we're going to have to transform. You know, is, is it, is it much more, you know, it is part of doing this well, sees, seeing it as an opportunity and seizing it as such. I would agree. I think it's tactical. I mean, you're not going to go fix things that don't add value to the organization or don't impact your customers or workers. So even in that exercise where we identify things that we think could fix, we still want to rationalize the ROI on those and prioritize based on that. And again, as I said, it's not big bang. And I think that's a that's a misnomer that people think, oh, it's too big. It's daunting. I can't even start it. It's not true. You can attack this thing in, in pieces. And even if you're current technology is limiting, you can still work around that until you take on that bigger project of maybe upgrading um, the core system, the ERP, you know, the hub of the wheel there. But uh, but like I said, I don't think there's any reason to, to, to be afraid to begin the conversation, identify low-hanging fruit, and that's typically what companies do. Where do we fix first? What's the most important thing? And a lot of times it's take care of the customer. So a lot of times there's customer-centric and, and again, employee-centric things that are up at the priorities. So so, well, let's, let's let's start talking about kind of the transformation process a little bit then, because I, I, I suppose one thing that's always interesting to me when we do shows like this is to to look at giving people some things to try and avoid initially. So, you know, obviously you talked about your kind of 27 years as turnkey uh, plus background before that. So obviously in that time, you've you've got lots of great, you know, really positive experiences of transformation under your belt. But but I guess there's some stinkers in there somewhere as well. Um, not not run by you, obviously. That's not what I meant. Um, but, you know, where, where is the things that you see when people start along this process where they're making mistakes from day one? Is, is there things that you would suggest people try and avoid? You know, maybe one of those things being don't bite, don't don't try and boil the ocean and, and bite off too, more than you can chew. But, you know, is, is, there, is there things that you would absolutely adv advocate for people to try and avoid as they start these type projects? Well, you nailed the big one. The boil the ocean is never a good approach. But I think that even the, the mechanisms to identify um, target opportunities, and it is, and opportunities is the correct word. So if the executive leadership and leadership has to be involved, but you know, you've also got people down in the ranks that are going to identify room for opportunity. How can we make it better for, again, employees, customers? We can do this with our products or we need to change this, but it's making a list 
of potential topics um, that, and, and then even to the point where, well, how do we visualize what that outcome can lead us to? And so creating vision, because right, a lot of people I can't see through, I've never seen it. How do I know what it looks like? So vision creation is a big part of our process. And, and being from Missouri, you know, that show me thing, we absolutely like to show you. Um, but, uh, but visioning is where it starts. And you may say, once we vision, we're like, ah, that's not what I imagine. And, and sometimes the imagination and the imagineering, as you call it, is, is very important. But it's, it's visioning. And you start there, and there's a list. And then there's a, a little more, let's, let's get a little more substantive, right? Tactical where, well, who's got point of view? Who's a subject matter expert? May not be inside the building. I always joke about, I'm in the box. I have to leave the box to bring things back to the box. That's what I tell you. Bring in an expert. Bring in somebody that's got a point of view on your industry. And when we talk about visioning, it's what are the other guys doing? You know, sometimes you see something that it's a vision, right? I saw something. And that's where it begins is with a vision. Okay, now how do we extend that? Grab a subject matter expert. So you need to have the right expertise. And so part of it, these are just the, the basic building blocks. We come up with a list. We're visualizing these things. We need a vision of what this can look like. What's it look like to have a customer portal, for example? And then we've got subject matter experts. We need real experts to come in and weigh in us. We can't do it sometimes internally because we don't have those experiences to contribute. Um, stepping past that, ROI, we have to do our due diligence. How will this impact the business? or the customer, or the employee? Is the employee gonna be more productive? Well, what's that worth? Is the customer gonna order more? What's that worth? Are we gonna streamline this in the organization? Well, what's that worth? Same thing, I'm sorting, I got, oh, this is worth a half a million a year in savings. This one's $25. Well, the $25 one can wait. It may be cosmetic, but we're certainly focused on the big impact um, components as well. Those disciplines, and again, we, we execute, we come back and measure. How did we do? Did we accomplish all those things we onset? So, so those are some of those steps. And I think that to have the discipline to really define the list, to go through visioning, to get expertise, to weigh in and give you that perspective on, well, what's happening in the industry? And a lot of times people are just out of date, right? That's it. Cause we're in the box. They're not, you know, you hire somebody, they come in, they may bring a fresh idea. A lot of times it doesn't always work like that. So, but those are some of those mechanics of digital transformation or any transformation that keep you from getting off the path. You're really trying to validate it. You're not saying, yeah, I think we'll make a million dollars by doing this. You go spend the money. And at the end of the day, you're like, oh, it didn't work. Why? We did not do our disciplines to really make sure that we visioned it. We had experts. We substantiated the return on it. And when we finished it, we came back and measured to say, yep, we accomplished what we set out for. So it's all about discipline and execution. Um, that'll keep people focused and focused on what's going to really make that difference, right? We don't want to do stuff just to be doing stuff that really doesn't move the needle. So, so I mean, there's lo loads of great stuff in there and actually lots to, to kind of try and unpack, but um, there's a couple of things that really stood out for me. And, and you know, and we touched on this earlier on, actually, and I said I'd, I'd kind of come back to it and it seems like the, the perfect opportunity to do so, was this idea of talking about cultural shift, you know, and, and I, I talked to lots of organizations about, developing data strategy. So thinking differently about the way they look at data. Uh, and one of the big parts of that, one, one of the big parts of that discipline is this idea, uh, it's two things actually. One is to get buying at the beginning, you know, get get organizational support from key decision makers at the top to, you know, people who are hands-on, feet on the street kind of folk at the at the bottom of the organization. I, and I really like using that phrase. I just can't think of another one. Um, but, you know, so so getting people to kind of buy in and, and support that, you know, how, you know, and then there the, the comes with that kind of a, a cultural shift as well, because when you're making these kind of changes, people have to understand that this is going to impact lots of things that you've, you know, that idea that, 
oh, well, we've always done it this way. Well, in the future, we might not do it this way. And if people aren't bought into that kind of idea, often they, that, that gives them an opportunity to kind of resist that change. So, so I mean, how important do you see in terms of business transformation, that idea of, of buy-in through an organization, as well as, uh, you, you know, this idea of, um, you know, m- making sure that people understand there will be a cultural shift so that you're taking people along with you? Change management is tricky. And I mean, it, it really starts with uh, executive sponsorship, meaning it all comes downhill. So, you know, you start with that premises. Do I have the executive sponsorship, the commitment from ownership, leadership to to change? Great. That's that's the first thing we have to have. Um, that'll that'll help a long way with adoption. But as you think about working the end user community and, the, and who's it can impact is there's techniques to, to bring people into that process early on to, to help them buy in earlier to, to secure adoption. You can't just show up and say, okay, here's what I decided. Do it. And people will resist that. But there are techniques. And again, we go back to visioning. We go back to, do you start including them in the visioning and start getting their input in that decision process? I mean, you have to listen. And I think that those techniques are imperative at any type of change management. And uh, if you do that on the front end, I guarantee you on the backside, adoption is going to be there because they were part of the process. So so that's a technique in change management. And again, ownership still has to come up with a list. We don't want to waste people's time on things that we're not going to attack. But as we pick those targets to do that type of early adoption guarantees long-term success because adoption is is very difficult in some change and people will plant their feet. And as you know, uh, you're only as good as the data that's put in. And if people aren't using the system the way, the data is really compromised as well. So those are very, very good points and important to secure that. So, well, let, let's let's have a look at the, the the process. So, you know, somebody's watching watching us here or, or listening to the show, yeah, and and they're about to embark on this kind of phase of of some kind of transformation, you know, whether that's across a whole business, whether that's across a department or a team, you know, have you got um, you know, maybe two or three tips in things that you would you would advise somebody to look at right at the beginning of that process? You know, well, obviously we've talked about things like buy in, uh, you know, buy in and. Uh, as we've, we've just discussed, but you know, is there some is there some things that you would always say to somebody? So before we even get started here, these are the first two or three things that you'll you'll want to have in place. Yeah, and I think I think the assessment of the current technology in place is a very important detail because it's it's no different than saying, hey, I'm going to build a second story on my house and I don't have a foundation, it'll crumble. So I think that to take a step back and, you know, that may be the bigger undertaking is does the technology platform in place support this incremental transformation? Or is there a big, boy, I got to get current. I'm on 15-year-old stuff, which I can't do any of the stuff I want to do anyway. So there may be a core technology um, limitation that has to be addressed first. Um, you know, if we're on a, a relatively recent platform, it may just be nobody ever thought about implementing uh, additional capabilities or extending the reach beyond the uh, the organizational walls to that spot so but that's the that's the first big one to hit and uh again executive buy-in i think that's you know is my platform good do i have my leadership behind this what's the scope of this transformation are we being too ambitious and and again moderation i i, I do believe that people get over ambitious so there's a there's a few those are the three that i would don't be over ambitious incremental um is is much more you know push plateau as i said let's let's knock it out let's have the success get the next one People do too many things at once, and they fail at all of them. I'm sure you've seen that in the past too. Yeah, and I think you know, I actually think that's true in in kind of you know we obviously we're both both work in the technology industry as, as most of the people listening to this show will do. You know, and I think we see that across all kinds of technology projects. You know, that people are 
you know, all the things you've talked about say actually don't necessarily have a clear vision. Um, so they're not really sure where they're trying to get to. The, the piece you've just talked about, they're not really sure where they where they are at right now. You know, so so they're trying to get somewhere, but they're not sure where they're starting. So you know, who who, who can see how that's going to turn out? You know, you don't you don't know where you're going, you don't know where you're starting from. And that's where the external resource shows up and can creates vision. Let me show you. I can show you what I've showed other people, and you're like, wow, thank you. Because again, in the box, we don't have the vision. Somebody comes in, creates that vision. That's that industry point of view that we're referring to but you're correct most companies don't they need some guidance yeah and i, I think i think that's a, that's a really good point as well you know one of the things you talked about earlier on that i kind of wanted to, to pull out a little bit as well was was that idea about not being afraid you know not obviously people could be listening to this show and saying well you know but, but both of you guys are in the it industry and you consult for a living so of course you're going to say bring in some external expertise so um you know and, and probably of course we are but but i think there's so much truth in that you know the idea that yeah, I, I mean, I, I've just been doing some work recently where we've been looking at kind of the change in the security threat. And I think people sometimes feel that they need to know all the answers to this kind of stuff, but are almost ignoring the fact that the security space is complex and it's changing rapidly. And, you know, people are trying to put you out of your comfort zone and get past whatever defenses you've got. So don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, is, is this very similar when we start looking at transformation, actually, because transformation is big and complex and the scope can be huge and there's so many things that you can do. That's why that you know don't expect to know everything. Is you know is that is that the real value there? It's true, but even you have to be careful. Some consultants would want to come in and sell you a lot, and it really depends on who you're talking to. And I think the other comment I would make is peers. You know, peers in industry. So if you think about industry groups and what you can learn from sister companies or people that are similar to you and what they've done, and 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 so there's a there's a less threatening approach before you jump in and get a big consultant. So oh, we want to because they they want to come in and attack the entire work. But again, to have some opinion of where you're trying to drive so you can control the process internally, I think that's that's kind of where you're leading there is we do want to control the process. We shouldn't be afraid to open up the conversation. But again, talking to similar companies in a similar industry or through industry groups might start breaking that ice and give you some ideas of what you might be thinking about. You know, and again, whether you want to do a big bang and change everything or, hey, I learned something from one of my sister companies that they did. It's been very successful. You told me how that ROI'd for them. Maybe that's that's another way to come up with priorities to start focusing on and to stick your toe in there, right? As opposed to this daunting task that's going to take years. It doesn't take years. You can have you can have digital change or changes that you can accomplish in, in a month or in a couple of months, you know, so. Yeah, and I think actually something you just said in there as well that I think is hugely important in these kind of projects is internally control the project. You know, even if you're bringing in external help, talking to your peers, the idea that you own it, you know, and it's it's because because ultimately, I, I know I always talk to people about this idea that I I always feel that when I go and talk to a company, I'm no more than a tourist. You know, I may may go in and kind of do three or four weeks with them, buy something from the gift shop on the way out, but when I leave, I leave. You know, and, and yeah. the idea that for for those organisations, they're then living with the work that we've done together. You know, is is that yeah? How, how crucial is that in in terms of you know, making sure that these kind of transformations are successful. Well, in terms of your continuity, is that what you're referring to? In terms of continuity after the consultants left? Yeah, the exactly, process yeah. Or, yeah, you need internal owners. And I mean, there's no question about, you know, part of part of transformation is building champions inside of your organization. So you're not dependent on those external resources. So we said control internally, project management. We didn't mention that. You, you absolutely need project management disciplines, but you do need those subject matter experts to develop within the organization to own those processes and those changes. You can't be dependent on an external service. I, I would I would substantiate that. So well, well, your well, question? 
Yeah, well, yeah, no, it does. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and so, so, so while we're talking about external services, um, why don't we talk about Turnkey? So, you know, what, what is it that, um, so what is it that you guys do? You know, how are you helping organisations? You know, you, you touched in your introduction about you, you guys, obviously, are a Microsoft shop, so you do a lot of work with Dynamics. Um, but you know, it's obviously it goes beyond that. You know, this is because this is not just a technology process. Um, so, 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 what are you guys doing? You know, what, what do you do? How, how are you helping companies kind of get from A to B? Sure. And so, you know, the, the focus for turnkey, and again, about 85% of the business is replacing ERP systems, which is the hub of the finance, supply chain, production, service, and so forth. So, so, so the focus on customers, that's, that's big change. That's not a little peripheral. I'm trying to do something here, but the ERP system changes are big change. But um, our process starts with really, you know, analysis, discovery, trying to understand the business requirements, what their current state is, what their vision is, what their goals are. And then that allows us to come in and align with, and again, we're Microsoft Dynamics. We're using a lot of off-the-shelf product um, to build a solution model. We identify the gaps. Maybe gaps are integrating, but our service is really holistically understanding the business requirements and coming up with a solution model and then creating vision. It really still starts with vision and ROI, and that's all before we even start a project. So we still have to go through all the solutioning, working with leadership, management teams, and so forth, um, and then show them what's the future look like for them. And let me show you how your business will change and how it will transform because of new process, business process support, or now the new system will enable you to do all these things that you've wanted to do. And maybe they come in a phase two or phase three, but it's, it's, it's that real intense analysis, discovery requirements, visioning, solutioning to get to the point where we've identified and defined a project to come in and make, and now let's execute where we, we plan and we execute the replacement of the legacy platform with the new platform. And succeed, succeed, succeed. Everybody's good. Great. What's next? What's next? And it's, so again, it may be a larger piece on the front end. Um, and then certainly if the tip of the spear for turnkey is ERP, behind the tip of the spear is customer relationship management. That's customer engagement, sales, marketing. Power BI is behind that tip of the spear. Marketing is behind that. So a lot of analytics, um, but really the tip is still going in and looking at those um, those core hub replacements. And uh, and they're great projects. And, and again, we have relationships with those customers for many, many years. But even after that, after we're done, they've built up their subject matter experts. We're kind of on call if needed. We really don't have a an ongoing service relationship. We're more project centric um, after those initial projects, but uh, but that's really it. We're really here to help customers. And uh, the exciting thing for us is watching them after they've gone live and watching their businesses grow and for them to really um, realize those advantages of, of new business process automation and uh, again, a cloud-based uh, experience. So so um, there's two things I wanted to ask you before we wrap up, actually. And the second one is just something that you've just said uh, that I hadn't thought of. You know, it, actually, that cloud-based experience. You know, is, is cloud playing a part in changing the way that organizations are starting to operate? So that it, that in itself is leading to, um, you know, increased kind of transformation. Is, is, is cloud a big part of that? It is. It's it's everything at this point. I mean, you know, I'm I'm the old school legacy on premise guy that's made my own transformation, and so I transform myself and my company. Imagine revenue streams change where you go from traditional to subscription and SaaS. But for for the business community and the workforce, it's the expectation. It's always on, and I can get it from anywhere, and I don't have to be in a desk, and I don't have to be in Missouri, and I could be whatever, whatever. But that sense of freedom and just unlimited, unfettered access to applications. From any device, right? From my phone, from my tablet, from my desktop. That's changed immensely. And and even as business owners look at capital spend and on-prem infrastructure, I'm a perfect example. I, everything's left the building. You, there's nothing here. 
Everybody's got a laptop. There's no laptops here. There's no infrastructure. So it's changed my world, even in how I manage my business. But again, I'm all cloud-based apps, but absolutely. Um, it's driving that. And again, we talked about expectations. Expectations have come a long way. Everybody just expects always on, right? Anyway, that's a whole different uh, expectation. Yeah, no. so. Well, something you said right at the beginning, actually, that when, when we talked about this kind of more granular approach transformation, and some of that was driven by employees or customers, you know, coming to you and saying, I've got a smartphone and it just does stuff. You know, I, I can nap on it and things just happen. You know, is, is that, is, is that, again, is that shifted or, or, or changed people's expectation when it comes to transformation that actually one of the big drivers is this idea that, like you just said, people expect always on. People expect a cloud-like experience to every facet of their business now. You know, has is, is that, is that been a big change? It has. It has. And, you know, and the, and the millennials are driving a lot of that too. So we got to look at the, the changing demographics in the worst for where you got the old school people and you got, and it's just expectations. They just assume. And so it, it, as you think about why it's important to engage employees, because the workforce of the future has expectations that aren't being met by a lot of people out there. And so that's, that's absolutely creates pressure. But yeah, um, to that point is there's a lot of expectations that haven't been met yet. And, uh, so, so one problem. last question. We kind of talked sure. about this, I think, before before we started recording. Um, was this idea, you know, I mentioned that I spend a lot of my time working with data. You know, that, that's that's kind of what I do for a day job. Um, you know, sadly, I, I can't make a living doing tech interviews, um, not unless I want to live in a cardboard box. Um, you know, so one of the things that I thought you touched on that was quite interesting was this was this idea of that many of these ERP systems are at the, the, the absolute hub, you know, and, and under that kind of front-end ERP system, there might be CRM, uh, there, you know, there might be, uh, you know, a, a, some kind of accounting system, whatever, you know, there's a whole bunch of things, you know, and we talked before we recorded about this idea that increasingly customers and businesses want to be data-driven, you know, they want to use data to make better decisions. Is having a good, broad kind of join together you know uh, join together centralized business system C can that can that hugely change how accessible that information is because i think one of the things we see is that people are trying to pull all these different portions of information or data together to try and find answers but sometimes they are, they are so disparate and so difficult to do is consolidating all that into one you know major platform does, does that have some real value in that space it's as well it's huge so so we rep dynamics 365 so the crm the erp the office modern workplace it's all in the same cloud so that data all flows and and it's real time and i think that's the big differentiator and again if it's not integrated integrate it because you shouldn't be rekeying and that way you have a expectation of real time data but traditionally businesses are looking in a rearview mirror they're seeing data that's 45 to 60 days old to make decisions and it's too late you've already hit the wall Right. And so, to, you know, that that connected world gives you real time visibility to make decisions real time. And that's that has huge value. I mean, if you if, you know, if you can see things I can tell I can tell what my staff did yesterday. I can see it this morning. And so some people say, oh, I won't know for a month and a half. How can you how can you make decisions? So so the impact of, of more timely decision making is, is astronomical because we, we avert loss. We avert problems that could be occurring. So, yeah, it is the, the connected model in, in most of the projects that I do. We integrate completely. There are very, there's not many manual, even the payroll guys that are outside that data flies right in. You know, EDI, we're, we're communicating between our suppliers. Somebody places an order on the website, it comes in, they get an acknowledgement. Again, those are examples of integration, whether it's banking. I have somebody says, hey, the money hits the bank, we need to push it back out the same day. Well, that's just all banking automation. There's no hands in the middle. So as we get hands off, but the, the expectation, the, the accuracy of the data 
right? It's it's real time. It's right now. And I think that's that's dramatic. And it, it didn't used to be like that for companies. And there's a lot of companies that still aren't like that. And they're hearing rearview mirror and they're like, yep, that's my world. And so everybody aspires to have real time um, intelligent insights that are actionable, right? Just, you know, summary. Oh, I can make decisions. I see red. I know I got to click on red. Oh, okay. Now I can see the problem. But to have that real-time insights, it's very powerful. And now if you throw artificial intelligence in there, where now you got somebody looking at that data other than you that's saying, hey, by the way, look what I found. And you're like, thank bot, you know, and you got a bot in there now looking at data, you don't have to rely on a person. It's uh, it's really accelerating the, uh, the the rate that decisions can be made. Yeah. And I, th- and I think um, I think what's interesting in that as well is that the organizations, as you say, you know, there's still some organizations where they, they you know, lots of organizations where it may take them one, two, three weeks, a month, et cetera, to, to kind of get that information. And they may well look at that and go, but we've always done that. That's just fine. Yeah. And maybe it is. However, you shouldn't underestimate that a whole bunch of your competitors are getting that information right now. And that's make that's making them more competitive. And, you know, and, and so, you know, I suppose if people listening to this thinking, well, I don't need to transform. You know, it feels to me like, yeah, you probably at least need to go and ask and have a look at what could trans, you know, what could some kind of transformation project mean mean to you. So, you know, there, yeah, there I go. I'm, I'm touting for for trade for turnkey there. I, I think. Well, it's but, it's true. Is what's what could be the impact? And there's companies that are lifestyle where they're like, everything's good. I'm not trying to grow. And there's other companies that you know we had a tagline empowering competitive advantage. And it's so true that how do you compete? If you had lousy tennis shoes, you can't run as fast. Well, I got the sneakers and I just, and that's not, uh, it's not detrimental. And so if you think about eliminating these things that are detrimental to the business, old technology can be that, the lack of tools, it's it's like using, again, use the wrong tool to do the job and it's just an efficiency thing. So great points. Well, Chris, well, before we, uh, before we, we, we end here, um, if people do want to follow up with you or find out more about Turnkey, what's a good way to do that? The easiest way is to go to the website, turnkeytech.com, T-U-R-N-K-E-Y-T-E-C.com. Again, we've got live chat. You show up on the site, someone will grab you. You want to talk to me? Just tell me, hey, I want to talk to Chris and, and and find out how he can help me with the business. But yeah, go to the website. Tons of resources out there. And uh, like I said, we'd love to get connected. So. Okay. Well, Chris, look, thank you. I, mean, you know, I think that's a fascinating chat. I feel we've covered loads and yet subsequently not really covered much because there's so much more that we could have could have talked about. So, but I think, you know, for, for people, you know, and certainly for me, you know, somebody who doesn't get involved in this world all of the time, you know, I think, you know, I've learned a lot. So, uh, so hopefully those listening and watching have, have earned, uh, equally, uh, earned equally from it as, as I have. So, uh, so for Chris, look, thanks for being on Tech Interviews. Really appreciate, appreciate your time. It. And uh, look forward you. to having you again sometime in the future. Thanks again, Chris. I'd love to join you. Thank you again. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you've got an idea for a show or would like to appear as a guest, then why not email me at podcast at techstringy.com. And if you want to make sure you catch the next tech interviews, then why not subscribe? You can subscribe in all good homes of podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. And of course, over on YouTube for the video version of the show. So until next time, thanks for listening.